Welcome to another inspirational podcast from Abundant Life Church, where we believe that God is a good God. He loves you and he wants to bless you. Now join us as we dive into today's message. Do me a favor, turn with me to 1 Kings this morning, chapter 17. 1 Kings chapter 17. And um, while you're turning there, has anyone ever... Um, put together like a meal where, where, where you knew it was going to be really good by the amount of ingredients that you were putting in that pot, you know, but, but the reality is, is that you can put all the best quality ingredients, but it needs to stew for a little while. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Like a really, really good stew is not going to be found in an instant pot of 20 minutes. But I'm talking about one where it simmers for a little while. Anybody, anybody have like a homemade sauce that you like to just let it, let it stew and simmer for a little while? Come on, any home cooks here? I'm trying to identify you for my benefit. If you want to bless me, you can bless my soul with some home cook food. Not to say that my wife's not a good home cook. She's amazing. Yeah, she raises the bar pretty high. She made a pumpkin bread yesterday that she thinks wasn't that good, but it was like fantastic. It blessed my soul so much that there's about two pieces left. I did. She went. She went. She got in bed last night, and I went. I went into the kitchen, and I and I had. I had a. I, I was. I was like, I gotta go get some water, and I had one hand getting water, and the other hand was doing one of these numbers. You know, I wanted to go to bed blessed, and I did last night, blessed and full. Praise God. I believe that today, when you leave from here, you're gonna leave blessed and full. I'm on one, I'm just telling you. You know why? Because I've been stewing on this word for all week long. I've been waiting all week long to share this with you this morning of what I want to get into out of 1 Kings chapter 17 because the Lord uh, really arrested my heart. I was moving in one direction and then he had me pivot. Anybody ever pivoted before? You thought that the play was about to get done in one direction, and the Lord said, hold on a second, you need to pivot so that I can get you in another direction so that you can lay up the shot and place the ball in the basket. Come on, God is leading us to a place today that we're going we're gonna to make a little pivot in, 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 in what God put on my heart, and we're going to see something here out of 1 Kings chapter 17. I'm actually going to start in verse 1, and we'll read verse 1. And then I'm going to read a few uh, scriptures after that, and then that's where we're going to get the, the word that the Lord has for us today. 1 Kings chapter 17, starting in verse 1, uh, reading out of the uh, NIV uh, translation this morning, it says this. Now Elijah the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead said to Ahab, As the Lord the God of Israel lives, whom I serve, there will be neither dew nor rain in the next few years, except at my word. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah, and the Lord said, Leave here, turn eastward, and hide in the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan. You will drink from the brook, and I have directed the ravens to supply you with food there. So he did what the Lord had told him. He went to the Kareth Ravine, east of the Jordan and stayed there. And verse 6 says, The ravens brought him bread and meat in the morning, and bread and meat in the evening, and he drank from the brook. I want to speak to you this morning from a simple title line that I've given, The Ravens in the Ravine. The Ravens 
in the ravine. The ravens and the ravine. Heavenly Father, again, we thank you for this day today. Holy Spirit, we ask you to continue to accomplish your perfect work in this atmosphere. Open up our hearts, open up our ears so that we can lean into your word. That, Father, we can discover, that we can experience, that we can be empowered with the truth that would cause us to be able to live the life that you have given us. A life that is filled with abundance. A life that is worth living. A life that would cause us to go out and reach our world with life. And so again, Father, the way that we came, let us leave differently. Let us leave charged. Let us leave empowered. Let us leave renewed, refreshed, revived. Let us leave today, God, encountering you in a very powerful way. And so we thank you for what you're doing in this service and what you're going to continue to do. We declare souls to be saved, miracles to be released. Father, touch hearts and lives today. And we give you all the glory, the honor, and the praise. And all God's people said amen, amen and amen. Now, as I was reading this passage earlier on this week, and as the Lord brought me to this in 1 Kings 17, he actually drew my attention to chapter 16. And if I can lay a little framework for what we're going to be looking at today, what we come to understand is this, is that in 1 Kings chapter 16, there's a very interesting situation that's happening in the nation of Israel. The Israelites at this point are under the leadership of King Ahab. And King Ahab is not a godly man. King Ahab is not a God-fearing man. King Ahab, in fact, had no respect for the Lord, for he, uh, he worshipped, he honored the idols and idolatry. He served pagan gods. So much so that chapter 16 notes that it wasn't that he just served these false gods, not that he just served these idols that he allowed to live in, 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 in the nation of God's people, but he did everything to provoke the Lord to anger. So this was not just a man that didn't have a belief in God. Oh no, he fully was aware of who God was, but he chose to live contrary to how God had ordained and created his people to live. His worship was not towards the things of God, but towards the things of the world. And so what we find here is that Ahab was a very, very wicked king. But not only was he a wicked king, to, to, to compound and make matters worse, he was married to a very, very wicked woman. Many of us have come to recognize that the evil queen of the entire Bible is Jezebel. Anybody ever heard that name before? And Jezebel had, had, had a thing about her. She was a manipulator. She was all about her own uh, self-gain. She was about her own agenda. She was all about what she could do to lift herself up. And what we find here is that Ahab and Jezebel are responsible for God's people leading idolatry, leading evil, allowing nothing but wickedness to live in the nation of Israel. And what we see here and we find out is that it wasn't even Ahab that was making decisions to live wicked. It was really Jezebel that was pulling all the strings. Ahab was just Jezebel's puppet. Which leads me to recognize why it's so important for us to understand the purpose of how God's ordained the household. Because see, what we find out is that Ahab was anything but a covering to his household. 
we find out that Ahab was anything but being a godly man in his household. And so what we see here is the reverse role where we have Jezebel who is leading the house, allowing there to be nothing but wickedness in the nation. I want to encourage some, some husbands today, some fathers today, that you need to step back up and get a hold of the word of the Lord. You need to start taking your rightful place and stop taking a back seat to how God has ordained the, the family and the household to live. As Joshua stated in chapter 24, for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. See, Jezebel was anything but a Proverbs 31 woman. Do we have any Proverbs 31 women in the place today? Come on, see, you know what I like about a Proverbs 31 woman? Is that a Proverbs 31 woman has good mental health. She's got strong moral character. She lives a life that is honorable to her family, to her God, and to her husband. She lifts her husband's head up. She's a good steward of what she has. She's a good steward of who she is. She's a good steward of who she is called to be. A Proverbs 31 woman is a righteous woman. A Proverbs 31 woman knows her place and knows her purpose and without fail will give everything that she has to better her household, to better her husband, and to better her future because she knows the God that she serves. Do we have any Proverbs 31 women in the house this morning? But the reality is this, it's not just about being a Proverbs 31 woman, it's really a Proverbs 31 wife. A Proverbs 31 wife. And the Bible says this in the book of Ephesians chapter 5, that husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church. And what do we come to find out in Ephesians chapter 5 is that Paul's writing and he says this, he says that you need to love her, you need to protect her. You need to preserve her through the washing of the word. In other words, God's word needs to be the standard of your household. If you're going to allow your wife, your children, your children's children to walk in this thing called blessing, to walk in this thing called righteousness, if you're going to have long life, then, then husbands, you need to love your wife the way that Christ loves the church. Washing of the word, allowing her to be without spot or wrinkle. And I thought about this, is that Proverbs 31 isn't just about the wife that I have by my side, and thank God I've got an amazing wife. I've got a Proverbs 31 wife. If it wasn't for her, I wouldn't have pumpkin bread and skinny jeans still. She reminds me, your workout, you need to work out. But I believe that Proverbs 31, I want to hit you with this this morning as we get ready to jump back into our passage. Proverbs 31 isn't just about your natural wife by your side. Proverbs 31, if, 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 if we're being encouraged to, to love our wives as Christ loved the church, then your wife is a bride. Who's the bride? The church is the bride. How many know that the church needs to be a Proverbs 31 wife, a Proverbs 31 bride? We need to be a church that's back lifting up the head of Jesus, honoring the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We need to be a good church that is good stewards of what we have in the gifts and the talents and the things that God's placed inside of us. We need to be a good steward of what we're called to do. Listen, can I tell you something? We're about ready to pull up on three years since COVID broke out. By the way, I just said it, three years. It's been three years, everybody. Enough's enough. 
enough's enough. Either we're going to be the bride of Christ and rise up, either we're going to be the church that God has assigned and called us to be, either we're, we're, we're going to, or we're not. And because if we don't do that, then all that we're doing is we're allowing our attention in our worship to be on the world rather than on our God. And the nation of Israel shifted their worship from being on God to the things of this world. And they allowed the idols and idolatry and pagan worship to fill the land because there wasn't a man who knew how to be head of his house. It's a reverse role. And so what we come to find out here in chapter 17, y'all thought I forgot about it for a second. There's a man by the name of Elijah, but he wasn't just any man. He was a prophet. And I love what it says here in verse 1. He says, now Elijah, the Tishbite from Tishbe and Gilead, said to Ahab. I love that. You say, what do you love about it? We didn't get no introduction to Elijah. There was no backstory on Elijah. Chapter 17 is the first mention of Elijah. This verse is the very first acknowledgement. Uh, where did this guy come from? It was like he was a character that was just dropped in the middle of a movie. And he comes right in and it says that he said to Ahab, As the Lord, the God of Israel, lives whom I serve, there will be no rain or dew. He came in and just gave a prophetic word. You know what I love? A real prophet doesn't need permission to give a word from the Lord. A real prophet is going to speak it because they know it, not because they feel it. And the problem is we got a lot of people today that are trying to utter prophetic words because they've got a feeling. I feel like what the Lord is trying to say in this season right now. Nope, stop it. If you got a prophetic word, it's because you know God's put something in your heart and there's nothing that's going to keep you from being able to proclaim it. And we find out that Elijah... A prophet from the Lord just walks right in and he says, by the way, uh, no dew, no rain. God's irrigation system is going to shut up because of your wickedness. A little back context, the God that they served was Baal and Baalism was referred to as the God of fertilization, the God of water, the God of rain and dew. And in walks a prophet of the Most High God, and he says, yeah, no rain, no dew. Let's see what your God does about this one. And not only that, there's not going to be any rain or dew until I speak another word again. Elijah just rolls into the scene. I love the spirit of boldness. Could we not have the spirit of boldness upon the church? When you're walking into the job and it looks like all hell is breaking loose and it looks like nothing makes sense, can you not just speak a word? Do you not have the word of the Lord that is fresh and powerful on your lips to speak that can change an atmosphere? One prophet shifted a nation. I wonder what we could do as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ in our community. We could see our community shifted. We could see our school system shifted. We could see our nation shifted if people would just recognize the word of the Lord that has been made available for you to be able to speak. I charge you this week as you step foot into the job or at home or into your communities, what word can you declare that can change an atmosphere? What good word of the Lord can you begin to speak out? Can you begin to declare a word of peace or a word of joy? Can you begin to declare a word of encouragement to somebody on the job today? What word can you speak out that can be life-giving and life-producing this week? God is waiting for a church to rise up and to be able to be bold. But that's the thing. 
We've gotten away from our boldness. We've almost shrunk back. And then we've allowed our worship and our attention to be on anything but who God is calling us to be. I want to charge you today, church, that God wants you to step up and step out and be bold. Listen, let me tell you something. You're going to offend people when you're bold for the things of God. Most of Jesus' ministry, by the way, was offending people. And it was mostly all the religious people. All of the religious people, he was always offending. Because the word that you speak is not about religion. The word that you speak is not about tradition. The word that you speak is not about legalism in the church. The word that you speak is a word that can transform your life, your family. It's here. He, he, he walks in and he gives a bowl. I want to charge you today, church. Speak a bold word this week. Speak a bold word this week. Cause the cubicles in your office to shake. Cause demons to tremble this week. Cause them to run this week because you're not afraid. Now's the hour to pull down strongholds. How are you going to pull them down? Speak a word. Speak a word. And so Elijah, he comes in and he tells Ahab, nothing's going to happen until I speak. And in the middle of all this, he created such frustration in a nation that they would have sought out to seek him and to kill him. He offended so many people at this one word. And this is where we're going to pick up the, 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 the focus of today in, in, in verse 2. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and he said, leave from here. Turn eastward and hide in the Kareth Ravine. Leave from here. Turn eastward. Hide in the Kareth Ravine. It's east of the Jordan. Can I talk to you about the ravine first this morning? See, the ravine was very interesting because where the ravine was located was back at the front of the Jordan River. In fact, when the Lord speaks to him, he says, leave from here, turn, and go eastward. Hey, maybe the key to your situation changing today is for you to turn and go the opposite direction. Some of y'all have been driven to be on the same road for so long and the Lord is saying, hey, you might need to get off this road because I got another road that I need you to get on. Turn and go eastward. By the way, the word east means starting place. The word east, it means starting place. In fact, even if you look at it geographically, when creation and everything took place, what happened when people begin to migrate? What, 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 what culture do we, we live in Western culture? Everything migrated and has gone west. And so what the Lord's telling Elijah now is you need to get back to the starting place. I want to encourage you today that there's some things that God might want to restart in your life. Some things that you thought you needed to get away from. Some things that you thought I needed to pull out of this. And God is saying, no, I wanted to use this very thing to refine you. I wanted to use this very thing to develop you. You've been trying to get away from the call of God. That's why I love what the Bible says is that the gifting and the call of God, it's without repentance. He will not remove it. And some of you thought, oh, my life's only going to be successful if I look like this or if I act like that or if I start this business or if I make this decision or if I do this thing. And the Lord is saying, you're getting caught up in a whole bunch of stuff you don't need to. Why don't you get back and let me refresh some things in your life? I want to restart some things in your life. And he tells Elijah, go eastward. Go back to the starting place. I felt the word of the Lord come to my heart uh, as I was preparing for that. And he said, I want to reset some things. I want to reset some things in your life today. You've been so eager to rush this process 
that even though this is a year to take ownership and even though this is a year to have divine possession, you've been so eager that you've just gone so fast that you haven't taken time in this process for me to mature you and grow you and develop you. There's some things that God would like to reset. Anybody ever gone to a, 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 a dinner where there's multiple courses in the meal? A lot of food talk this morning. I'm going to get your lunch appetite up. You ever been to a, I'm talking about like a good place, not like a, you go in there and, uh, you know, here's a soup, salad, your entree, and you're out. I'm not talking about pulling through the drive-thru and I got everything that I want in one bag that's soaked in grease on the bottom part. <laughs> no, I'm talking about like a fine dinner, like a fine meal. Anyone ever done that? My, my wife and I, we, um, a couple weeks ago, we celebrated our 10-year anniversary a little early. Hey, 10 years. And um, we went to this one restaurant, and it was fine dining. I mean, so, so fine that every time you finished a course, they would come back out and they would reset the table for you. And that's the kind of fine dining that I'm talking about. Y'all know, know what I'm talking about? Where, where, where they come out with that little, I don't even know what it's called, you know that little metal scraper thing? Get them crumbs out. Get them crumbs. I'm paying too much money for crumbs to still be there. I'm paying too much money for me to see the remains of my guilt and shame on the table. Can you just throw an entire new tablecloth over the top of it? I'm talking about that kind of fine dinner, fine dining, where they reset the table. See, I believe that this year as we're being driven, there's some things, though, along the way the Lord wants you to, to reset in your life because he's saying, you've experienced a measure of it, but I got another measure to go. And I want to reset it. I want to bring some order back into this thing. I want to clean some things up because what you thought was good in the appetizer, baby, watch out because the entree is going to knock your socks off. I got a better thing coming your way. And just when you feel satisfied with that entree, all of a sudden that sweet tooth that you didn't know was perking up, perked up because they just brought out something absolutely amazing. I believe that the Lord in some ways wants to reset us for what's to come because greater things are ahead. Greater things are ahead. As we are transitioning into this last quarter, as we are in this last quarter, the word of the Lord said that in the last part of the year, greater things are going to happen. The best things are going to happen. But we need to be prepared for that. We need to be in position for that. And that's why the Lord said to Elijah that you need to go eastward. I need you to get in position because I'm about to do something very, very intentional in your life. So go eastward. Go back to the starting point. But not only that, he says, I want you to pull off, though, to the, to the front part of the Jordan River. Y'all know what the Jordan River is, right? I know I'm not the only one that was reading scripture on the Jordan River. The Jordan River was the place after 40 years that God led his people to cross over into the, the promised land. The Jordan River... The Jordan River was the place where they crossed over. The Jordan River is the place of decision. It's the place of death. It's the place of destiny. The Jordan River is the place that you have to make a decision. Am I going to continue to live the way that I'm going to live as previous years? Or am I going to decide to trust the Lord that he'll do a new thing? 
and cross over. It's the place of death because the reality is when I make a decision to follow the Lord, i got to die to self and know that God's about to do a greater thing in me, not because of me, but because of who he is inside of me. And it's the place of destiny because if I can make a decision and die to self, then I can step into all that God has for my life. That's the Jordan River that I'm talking about. The place of decision, the place of death, the place of destiny. In fact, the Jordan means a flowing. There's a flowing. There's a flowing that God wants to do in your life. God wants to flow through you. He wants to first flow in you and flow out of you. But it starts when you make a decision. See, we've got this thing in my house that I do with my kids, and um, I love my children. I got a, um, I got a one-year-old and a soon-to-be three-year-old, 30-year-old, three-year-old. I'm telling you, you don't know what she's going to say. She keeps me on my toes. It's scary. She came in this morning, and, and, and what'd she say? I want to, I want to, can I have more bagel? Can I have more bagel? You're three years old. What do you mean more bagel? Please? Can I have more bagel? I mean, the things that she, 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 she blows me away. Um, and so my children, I love them. So I do this thing in my house where I walk in and I say, children, you have a decision to make. My wife knows this. I love doing this. I, every day without fail. I said, you have a decision to make. And now Saya, because she's quick as a whip, she already knows what's about to come. Oakley has no clue. He's just along for the ride of whatever dad's about to do. And so what I do is I hold my kids down and I say, belly or armpit? You choose right now. Make a decision. Is it going to be the belly or is it going to be the armpit? Meaning, I'm about to tickle them in their belly, or I'm about to tickle them in their armpit, and it's going to get real. And so my daughter, she knows belly. Daddy, belly. Belly, daddy. Now I get your belly. No, that's not how this game works. It's one way. <laughs> belly or armpit. So she says belly because she knows the armpit is worse. So I'll tickle her belly. I mean, she laughs. And my kids, they laugh. And, 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 but here's the reality. Here's what I wanted to point out is this, is that, church, you got a decision to make. Belly or armpit? So what are you talking about? The Bible says this is that out of the belly will flow rivers of living water. Lord, belly, I want you to flow in me rivers of living water so that rivers of living water can flow out of me. I'm making a decision today. What does the Bible say about the armpit? Nothing other than the fact that it's the stinkiest part of your body. And the truth is, some of y'all are willing to settle to be in the stinkiest part of your life because you're not willing to make a decision to get up, die to self, and say, God, better days are ahead of me. And so you're willing to lie and compromise and lie and the things that stink in your life. God doesn't want you to have a stinky marriage. God doesn't want you to have a stinky job. God doesn't want you to have stinky health. God doesn't want your spiritual life to be stinky. God wants you to experience the fullness of what he has for your life. And he's got great things and good things and awesome things. He wants you to experience the fullness of joy, the fullness of peace. He wants you to experience health and wholeness in every area of your body. Nothing broken, nothing missing. 
nothing lost. I declare today that if you're willing to make a decision, that healing can touch your body. That the way that you came will not be the same. That when you walk out of here today, you know that God is your healer. So make a decision, church. Belly or armpit. You're going to be Wednesday this week and you're going to be like, man, belly. But God wants us to cross over as we're 45 years into this ministry right now. And the Lord is preparing us to step into what's next. And for so long, we've made decisions based upon the past. And God's saying today, if you're willing to make a decision for what, I don't know what lies ahead. But that's why the Bible said that eye hasn't seen and ear hasn't heard, neither entered the heart of man the things that God's prepared. God has still things that are prepared for you. You just got to say, by faith, I'm making a decision. And Lord, I'm going to follow you with all of my heart today. I'm going to seek after you today. That's why I love Matthew 5. Seek first the kingdom. And and his righteousness. And all the things will be added on top of that. But I want all the things. No, seek first the kingdom. Seek after him. Decide to follow him. And so we find that Elijah, he goes eastward to the place of decision, the place of death, the place of destiny. But here's what I like. And here's what I want to, we're going to park this car for a second. We're we're, going to just, right there. The Lord says, I want you to go to the Kareth Ravine. So interesting. Why the Kareth Ravine? The word Kareth means the cutting place. The cutting place. Maybe some of y'all have heard of this in, in, in modern culture. And, uh, you know, if you're into like in, a, in an area that's highly populated with streets and there's those side alleys that they'll reference to as the cut. Anybody ever heard that before? The car, the car's parked off in the in the cut, the, 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 little, the, little, the little alleyway. What, what's the cut normally used for? It's a place where people are hiding out. It, it, it's a place where you can't be seen. And so what does the Lord tell Elijah? He says, I want you to pull off into the cut, into the hiding place, into the secret place. This year God wants you to know that while you're driven for the things that he can release in your life, he, he really wants you to be first and foremost driven for him. Some of us were so eager to get the blessing that we forgot about the blesser. Oh, it's my year I'm taking ownership. Have you taken ownership with your intimacy with the Lord? See, that was the problem with Israel. They forgot about the intimacy that comes from worshiping the Lord. And so they found themselves worshiping the idols. Some of us were more intimate online than we are just being alone with God in his presence. See, worship isn't even about the music that's being played. It's not the song that's even being sung. That's a form of worship. But worship is a posture. It's a lifestyle. It's me presenting myself before the Lord, as Paul says in Romans 12, 1. That my life is a living sacrifice. That, Lord, here I am. I lay my life before you today in worship. God wants us to get to the secret place again. God wants you to get off into the cut, to get alone. He wants you to get into the cutting place. You even think about a diamond. A diamond in its raw form does not look very pretty to put into a ring, but when it is cut, 
when it is refined, then all of a sudden the brilliance of what it was designed and called to be begins to come to light. There is some amazing and great things that God wants to bring to light, but until you get into the secret place where he can cut and refine you, that greatness that's on the inside will remain dormant. The Lord wants to bring the greatness that's on the inside of you, on the outside of you, but it's when I'm willing to get alone with the Lord and allow him to refine me. The book of Peter talks about the fact that we are refined like by fire. The Lord wants to encounter us in such a way that the fire of God can refine us, that we don't look like the world, we don't act like the world, we're not reflecting the world, but we're reflecting the image, the love, the power, the presence, the very nature of who Christ is everywhere that I go, but that's not gonna happen when I'm not willing to get alone to the secret place. The Karuth Ravine, it's a, it's, 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 a, it's a cutting place. Not only that, not only is it about you being cut and refined, but it's also some things that maybe God wants to cut out of your life. Because for so long we thought the only way that we're gonna be able to enjoy this ride, being driven this year, is having the right people or the certain people in certain places and certain things in our life. And, 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 and so we find ourselves with one foot in and one foot out. But the Bible says, be hot or cold, but don't be lukewarm because I'm going to spew you from my mouth. You better make a decision, church. There's some things that God wants to be trimmed and to be cut. John 15 talks about the fact that Jesus is the vine and God, our Heavenly Father, is the vine dresser. And anyone who doesn't bear fruit, what's going to happen? That branch gets ripped out and thrown away. But those that bear fruit, there's a cutting so that you can bear more fruit. Is anybody believing for the more fruit this year? Does anybody want to see greater blessings over your life this year, greater blessings over your household this year? Does anybody want to see your family fully, wholly serving the Lord this year? Does anybody want to see promotion on the job this year? Does anybody want to, want to see our community transformed and changed for the Lord Jesus Christ this year? Does anyone want to dare to believe that you can have the anointing like Peter did on his shadow, that when you walk by, miracles begin to fill whatever space that you're walking into? More fruit. More fruit. Somebody say more fruit. God has more fruit. But there's a cutting process that needs to take place. But it's only going to happen when you get alone. I love what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 30. There's a story there about David. Everybody like David in here? Like how I said that, I didn't say anybody. I said everybody like David in here? And David's boss, he's got a sling and he kills a giant. That's super cool. But what's even more cool is in chapter 30, we find that him and all of his mighty men have been, their camp had been raided. In other words, there, 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 there was this enemy that came in and stole everything that they had. What's cool about that? I'm about to tell you. They took everything. They took the women. They took the children. They took everything that they owned. They had nothing when they returned back to their home that they were staying in at the time. And the Bible says this, is that in 1 Samuel chapter 30, that David got alone with the Lord and it says that he renewed himself in the strength of God. Let me tell you, there's nothing like when I can get alone with the Lord and I can renew myself in his strength. And then David goes and asks the Lord, shall we pursue our enemy and will we recover all? And the Lord said, go, you will recover all. I declare today 
that when you are able to get to the secret place alone with God, he will strengthen you in such a way. It's not by your might, it's not by your power, but it's by his spirit that will lead you to recover all. Everything that the enemy has tried to steal from your life, everything that the devil has tried to wreak havoc with, today it is cut down. Today we're renewed by the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. No devil in hell is going to keep from you what God has for your life. I don't care if the enemy tries to steal, kill, and destroy, but my God said that he gives me life, and he gives it to the fullest. Today, when I get alone to the secret place, when I'm in that place of God's presence, I'm in that place where I'm renewed, I'm in that place where the Lord refreshes me and encounters me, that strength begins to rise up. But that's where I charge you today. Because the problem is with most churches that we see, we're not churches that want to encounter the Lord. We're churches that want to be entertained by God. I didn't come to give you an entertaining word this morning. I came to bring a word that would cause you to encounter the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. If every light shut off and if this microphone went out, I'm still going to preach Jesus today. It's not about entertainment. It's about encounter we got to get back to the place that we're hungry to encounter the Lord. Hungry to encounter his holiness. Hungry to seek his righteousness. Hungry to know who he is, not just what he has. See, we love teaching about the kingdom. And that's important because God wants us to experience and, 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 and abide with kingdom living. But a kingdom is an extension of the king. And it makes no sense to know how to live in a kingdom if I don't know who the king is. It means nothing to me. That's why he says, seek first the kingdom in my righteousness, my righteousness that rules. So if I'm seeking the kingdom, it's not just about the things that I get, but it's about how he lives and how he leads and how he operates. And I want to know you, Jesus. I want to know you, Jesus, today. I want to encounter you, Lord, today. I want to seek you. I want to experience you. I want, Lord, to know the very breath from the one who gave me breath. I want, to, I want to know this breath that's inside of me, that it's not because I'm taking it. It's because I know that you placed it inside of me. How great are you, God? How great are you, Lord? It's your breath, God. Thank you today. Because I am encountering you. Elijah, he's in the, in the cut. Elijah, he's in the secret place. And this is what I love. I'm going to bring us to our last part this morning. Because that's the ravine. God just wants to get us alone in the ravine. Because when I'm willing to get in position and encounter the Lord in the ravine, in the secret place, I mean, you know, he's got a raven with some supplies. He said, you get over in this ravine, I'll send the ravens. I'll send the ravens. Some of us were trying to figure out how God's blessings are going to flow. Get in position and let God just flow the blessings into your life. Y'all there like trying to monitor your Amazon delivery. It said that that tracking is supposed to be delivered for today. Some of you on your Uber rides. Wait, 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 why did Mark... D, turn right. You're supposed to turn left. Mark D. 
because they never give their last name. It's just to be like Susie S. Susie S., I don't like you right now because you are going to make me late. We sit there. That's how we treat God. Listen, that's how you treat God sometimes. You sit there trying to track God's progress. Like, I need to track God's progress. I don't need to track God's progress. I love what Jesus says to James and John. Follow me and I'll make you a fisher of men. Why don't you just follow God and he'll make you fisher of men. He'll make you into something great. He'll make you into what he has always designed and prepared and thought that you should be, which is a chosen generation, which is a royal priesthood, which is a holy nation. God will make you into something great. But some of us were there trying to track God's delivery system. Stop trying to track God's delivery system. He just said, Elijah, get alone with me. Get off into the cut and I'm going to send some ravens. I'm going to send some ravens. You know what's interesting about ravens? Watch this now. Ravens in the Bible was one of the species of birds that the Lord did not allow to be sacrificed on the altar. It was considered an unclean bird. God, why would you send something unclean to bring my miracle? In fact, the word raven, it means to plunder. A raven is a bird that is about going in to your territory unannounced, without permission, and it takes what it wants. Some of y'all have had enemies that have been coming in, taking what they want. Some of y'all have been facing situations where it's almost as if when you walk away, you say, I'm worse than I started. Some of y'all started this year, 2022, with the word of the Lord, with all excitement, enthusiasm, feeling God's momentum in your life, and you're like, well, I got nothing. I feel like, you know, I got nothing right now. I feel like I'm broken in my life. I feel emotionally broken. I feel like my family's falling. I feel like the enemy has taken everything from me right now. But I'm here to tell you today what the enemy meant for evil. <laughs> God can turn it for good. I love what it says here. First Corinthians. That God will use the foolish things to shame the wise. Word foolish means godless things. God will use godless things to prove his might, his power, his strength. Yeah, but it doesn't look like a miracle should be happening this way. Just get in position. Ready position with your arms wide open. He's sending some ravens today. He'll use the least likely of things. That person that was talking garbage about you, he can turn it around and use them to be the key to your blessing. He'll use the foolish things. He'll use the haters. He'll take every hater that has spoken negative words and he'll use them to usher in the greatest blessing and prosperity for your life. The Bible says that the wealth of the wicked is laid up for the just. He'll take the thing that the enemy has and then he'll use the enemy to put it right back into your hands. Lord, send us some ravens. Lord, send us some ravens. Come on, there's a full send right now with your supply on its way. I said there's a full send right now with your supply on its way. But you got to get in position. You got to get alone with the Lord. See, sometimes we won't know the full measure of what God wants to do because we haven't gotten alone to hear. 
I've always found when I get alone with the Lord, He shows me more things. He speaks to me more things. He gives me clearer direction and, 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 and clear steps that I'm supposed to take. When I can get alone with God. Thank you for listening. We trust that what you heard today has encouraged you to live the abundant life. For more information about our ministry, please visit us on our website, AbundantLife.tv, or follow us on Instagram at AbundantLife underscore TV and Facebook at Come to Life. And remember, God is a good God. He loves you and He wants to bless you.